and welcome to the Money Magic Podcast with Vangile Makwakwa. This is the podcast where we talk about trauma and how it affects our finances and our lives. I help women of color unlock ancestral wisdom so they can fall in love with their bank accounts, increase income, and live their best lives. This podcast was birthed when I started having conversations with private clients and students in my online courses about the remarkable shifts they'd had in their finances and started receiving feedback and updates from people on how these conversations were helping them understand their family dynamics and financial behavior. I've seen how unlocking ancestral wisdom has helped me pay off $60,000 in debt, buy property, launch and grow my company Wealthy Money into a six-figure business in US dollars as I travel and live in various countries on the globe. I've lived in over eight countries and traveled to many more as I built this company. My intention with this podcast is to provide you with weekly episodes that help you understand the importance of healing and help you understand your relationship with money better so you can start making different financial decisions and creating a life you love for yourself and future generations. So without further ado, let's get started and dive into this week's episode. How are you? Welcome to episode 52 of the Money Magic Podcast. So if you've just joined, my name is Vanille Makwakwa and I am the host of the Money Magic Podcast. I help women of color heal ancestral money trauma so that they can fall in love with their bank accounts, increase income and live their best lives. And I'm also the author of Heart, Mind and Money, Using Emotional Intelligence for Financial Success and also the founder of Wealthy Money. With me today is Joanna Marshall, and she's going to be talking to us about yoga and healing trauma. And she started this incredible space called the Brown Girl Yoga Tribe. You guys want to hear about this, right? And she also, also, I know you guys are interested in things like this, has a retreat center in Costa Rica. So Welcome, Joanna. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. Thank you, honey. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to do this. Yeah. So tell us about yourself. (laughs) Who are you? What do you do? What's your hobby? All that good stuff. What are your hobbies? (laughs) Like, how do you define yourself as a person? What do you do? All that stuff. That's we just we don't want to just hear what you do. We want to hear about mm. how you find yourself. <laughs> Ooh, great question. So, who am I? First and foremost, I'm a mom. That mm. that comes before everything. I have three boys, <laughs> Zion, Zen, and Shiloh, um, and they're all at different stages in life. I'm so every day, it is, it, it does get <laughs> difficult. And, um, but at the same time, it's an adventure and 
it's really fun getting to learn them because at the same time, I'm starting to learn stuff about myself as well. Um, and then after my role as a mother, I am a yogi. Mm. And um, I first fell in love with yoga when I was, I was walking down the street in Philadelphia and I had just gotten all this money from a settlement because my father passed away and um, I had just turned, thank you, thank you. So I had just turned 18 and I had all this money and every day I was just going and just spending it every day. Um, and one day I came across a sign for yoga and I was like, Oh, this is a great excuse to buy a new outfit. That's, that was the first thing that popped into my head. So shallow. Right. And so that's what I did. And I bought these long socks. Nobody told me you're not supposed to wear socks in yoga. And, (laughs) and I showed up. And I got like, I think it was like a 30 day pass or something. And first day, um, I started doing it, doing all the wrong things, you know, just trying to see how flexible I can be, mm-hmm. um, showing off all that. Mm-hmm. And that, and that was it. That was my first experience. And then mm-hmm. is that like, cause you were seeing everyone in class do like crazy things yeah yeah that can throw a lot of people off with yoga because they think that's what you should aim for especially in this competitive world that we live in right it's like you have to also be there at that level it's like no (laughs) (laughs) yes and the thing was and I, I feel like most people have this too when they start off in yoga is like mm-hmm. thinking that it's a competition. Like how flexible can I get? Yeah. Um, can I do the same thing that my neighbor's doing next to me? Mm-hmm. And so that's what I was doing, right? And um, so that was my first yoga experience. And it came a time where I started like just running through the money and like I ended up with nothing, Right. And I came across yoga again and I stepped into the class and this time it it felt different because I didn't have anything. (laughs) I, I didn't have all this, all this money anymore. I wasn't living in the high rise anymore, you know? So I came in a different person. And my ego. Oh, how was, oh my gosh, we're so fast. I'm so fascinated. And I know everyone else is fascinated. You're going to tell us what happened with the money, right? You're going to talk about your money. Sorry, this is about money trauma. Well, yeah, yeah, right. I did kind of go through that fast, but I spent it all. I spent it on clothes, food, um, friends, family, um, apartments stupid furniture. I spent it all. And I mean, it wasn't like it was $80,000. So it wasn't like a whole, whole lot, but it was a lot for an 18 year, 18 year old. For an 18 year old, it was a lot. And also there are places you could have, you could have bought, you can buy properties for that amount of money. Like not just a property, properties in different parts of like Atlanta or Florida, even some other states. 
you know? I had, I didn't even know that. I didn't, I did not know at the time. And I think we've all made that mistake. Yeah. Right. (laughs) I so resonate. Like, I think we can, so many of us can resonate with spending that much money when we're younger, before we learn about fiscal management and money. Yes. I had to, I had to learn the hard way, which is okay. Um, and so I went through that rather quickly. I went through that before my first son even came. Mm. Um, so with my first son, we definitely went through a period of struggles Mm -hmm. (laughs) that many people in my family even don't even know about. And so we were struggling for quite a while. Mm. And, um, it's funny because actually during this struggle is when I started my teacher training, my, Mm. my first yoga teacher training, just moving this inset because I can't find the place for it. (laughs) And, um, what happened was when I first, like I said, when I had lost everything, Mm. I walked into the yoga studio, a different person. Mm. I didn't have my ego. I didn't have my nice clothes and all that, you Mm. know? Um, so I walked in there a different person. Mm. And why did you go back to yoga? Why did you not think, Oh my gosh, I should go do something else. Like most people would be like, Oh my gosh, let me go try something else. Why choose yoga as the thing that you're going, that you went back to something must've been triggered the first time though, even with the ego and everything. Right. Yes. That is a wonderful question. Um, I went back to yoga because it embodied the person that I wanted to be. Mm. I wanted to be one of those peaceful, loving people that I see yoga are, or what the, the image that I had in my mind when I think of a mm. yoga person, that's mm. what I wanted to be. And that's why I went back, oh. you know? So, because even though like my first class, couple of classes weren't the best, I mm. love seeing how the teachers were. They had like this peace and this calmness to them and they didn't care how far I could get my foot up or, or anything like that. You know, that didn't phase uh, them. It didn't phase them how much money I had. And I wanted that. And that stuck with me. Um, so when I went back to this yoga class and um, I remember my teacher too, her name was Elizabeth. I went back to this yoga class and I started a teacher training and I actually listened to Mm -hmm. my teacher. I listened to what she told me to do. And for just a few moments, I would say probably like 10 seconds tops. I let my body listen and I came out of my mind and I felt this peace that words cannot describe to me. I I would call it God. I felt like I felt God in those moments. And that was enough for me to be like, okay, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. (laughs) Like, this is it for me. And it was so profound because it wasn't about what I was doing with my body. It was about me 
finding my space inside, finding that, that stillness beyond Mm. the thoughts, beyond the movements, beyond Mm. whatever else was going on behind me. Mm. So when I was able to fall into that, it transformed my life. Wow. I I love that. I, that happened to me with Vipassana meditation. I got to day eight of the first ever 10 day sit and I found this peace that has never left me you know it was it's like I just like you said you can't explain it it's like everything in the world it doesn't matter what happens you know in your soul that it doesn't matter what happens you're okay regardless of even if you're not okay you know that you are okay in the afterlife wherever you are okay and it just never quite left you know even when I'm anxious and everything I'm not the same anymore Mm -hmm. since realizing that and just like you I had that realization I was actually sharing this a few weeks ago in the money magic student group actually last week that when I started the pasna and then when that happened I knew this was it for me, even from the day I sat on the mat, day one. And then by the time day eight came, I was like, this is what my spirit has been searching for. As long as I have this, everything else is going to be okay. It sounds so weird that as long as you have this meditation practice, everything is going to be okay. Like I just knew it in my soul that even if I'm homeless, as long as I can have this practice I'll be okay regardless and I I still feel like that you know so I get I get what you're saying that this is what you've been looking for and this is what you want to do with the rest of your life yes yes exactly it planted a seed of peace yeah that's what it is and once that seed of peace is there there's nothing that can uproot it. Why? Because that's your connection with God, you know, and and nothing can take that away. So I I, I totally feel you. And the Pasana meditations are are some of my favorites. So I definitely feel you with that one. Um, Yeah, like, wow, guys. I I mean, I promote the Pasana for free. (laughs) I'm just like... Please, everybody, go try this incredible thing, you know. (laughs) And like yoga, you guys are about to learn about that. Because actually, I used to practice yoga. But when I came back from Vipassana, and I was a daily yoga practitioner, when I came back from Vipassana, my yoga practice went deeper than it ever had. Because I think for the first time, I was able to drop into my body fully. It wasn't just like, oh, I feel good when I do yoga. This is why I do it. I started to see yoga as a healing art. You know, as like I would go from meditation at home, go to the yoga studio. When I was living in Boston, I used to do my um, yoga at Boston Yoga Studio. And I would just like, just feel it, you know, I would feel how different it felt. And I would be and just like I think most people struggle with this It's like, at first, even though I was a constant yogi, I would have days when 
I would look at the teachers and want to compete with everyone. Once I came back from the Pashna and I started being in my body, I think I just kind of like got obsessed with what was going on internally. It never mattered what everyone else is doing externally. Yes. I love that because that, and that is the relationship with yoga, you know, um, every day, we, we, we're not going to come to that piece so easily, you know, and that's part of the yoga is coming back and finding that piece over and over again, you know, and then also expanding it, learning how to evolve that past the mat. That's what I'm working on right now. How can I take that piece with me everywhere, you know? And, um, Speaking of that, <laughs> which that is one of the biggest reasons why I started the Brown Girl Yoga Tribe. Mm. It all started with a challenge. And it was a 30-day yoga challenge because I personally wanted to do yoga every day. But I know me by myself, I wasn't going to be able to do it. I had to have some sort of accountability, you know? Mm. And the first thing I did was I took um, I put out a feeler for accountability partners and it got some good responses, yeah. but we were kind of like in limbo. It's like, okay, like, what are we going to do? How do we move forward? Yeah. So I scrapped that and I was like, okay, I'm going to do a 30 day yoga challenge every day. And every night I'm going to teach yoga for 30 days. Mm. And I asked who wanted to join me. And the response was overwhelming. There was, there were so many re- people that wanted to do it. and. So when I came to the end of that yoga challenge, that is when I was like, okay, all these people are like, what, like, what are we going to do next? Like the yoga is gone. Like, what do I do? I felt kind of like this responsibility to do something, you know? And that's when I was yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's how I found you. It was through the Found Girl Yoga Tribe because one of my friends in Boston tagged me and was like, oh my gosh, man, you have to check this woman out. She's doing this. I was like, what is this? You know? And I went in, I was like, this is so cool. You know? Yes. I remember her. I think her name was Lori. Lori. I remember her yeah. too. Yes. Lori Jones. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, <laughs> and then that's when I was like, okay, let's do workshops. Let's learn all of the things that Brown women need to know. And then that's when I came up with the idea, okay, we need to learn about money. We need to learn about Bitcoin. We need to learn about astrology, herbology, and all of those things. And it, it just kind of flowed out. And the, the response was wonderful with, with the tribe. And it became so much deeper than that, than just the learning. It became connection. I know most of the people's names in the tribe. I know how many kids they have. Like, it's not even just like, okay, we're learning together. We're doing this workshops. It's an actual tribe with like a sisterhood. And for me, that's even more special because here in Costa Rica, I don't have that Mm -hmm. Um, because I'm the only, well, no, there's one more Um, besides another black man. Um, I'm the only black woman here. So like in my town 
and that gets quite lonely. In, in Sri Lanka, it's the same for me. But I mean, like everyone knows, I've got my Sri Lankan mom, Mangala. So it makes such a big difference. And I've had, I have some friends out there, but yeah, it can be very lonely in that case. Right. You don't have that tribe, right? But your husband's Costa Rican, right? Yeah. So yeah. You have his family at least. Yeah. And, and I do have his family. They are, they're all so supportive. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is about Costa Rica, they're very religious. So ah. me coming in with the tattoos, the doing the yoga, the all that stuff. They were like, what is, you know? Are you serious? <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, that must be so rough. So no meditation? No, there, you know, I'm actually one of the first yoga teachers out here. Like when I came here, they didn't even know like what is yoga or like none of that. And it's, and it's not because like they're living in the dark age or anything. Yeah. Um, it's just because they, they're in their own religious bubble that they've never kind of mm-hmm. opened up to question what it is, or even met someone that practices something like that religiously. Uh, um, okay. Uh, definitely very, very different from Sri Lanka where it's Buddhist yoga, like uh, you've got crystals, you've got incense, people are into <laughs> more stranger things than I am because it's like really it's like that kind of community right it's like Buddhism everything esoteric everything so astrology readers where you go you get your astrology read before you get married yeah so like no I feel like the only thing is just my skin color and even then Sri Lankans are like are you half Sri Lankan (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they don't understand because like everybody's brown so they just oh. see the differences with the hair yeah like I, I won't say like it's a very it's wildly different to be honest culturally and from wow. who I am so but right. for you it is extremely different so like yeah wow. like I just I'm like oh I'm going to temple I'm going to meditate I'm going to do yoga there's a yoga studio like people know what yoga is like yeah. veganism is a thing you know it's like oh I a lot love of people it. are buddhist so because it's a buddhist country also right yeah. so like i won't lie it's there's i don't have a lot of the of that for you it's i can i can imagine okay it makes a, yes. lot, a lot of sense yes and and i don't want to um pan it out that all of Costa Rica is like that because there mm-hmm. are yoga studios in like the capital yes. but as you get away from the capital there's there's definitely not that like I'm the only yoga studio here probably for at least an hour and a half um wow but it's okay because that's why I have the tribe and and I mean I I feel terrible about the people that have been affected by COVID, but honestly, it's been one of the best times of my life because I was able to connect with these people and that I probably in real life would have never even seen, met, or heard of, you know? Um, and now I actually feel like I have like that sisterhood that I've been missing because even though I live in Costa Rica and there's not many people that practice it in my town, in the States, 
they would mostly be pale colored people that would practice yoga. Like it was a while. And I'm talking about years before I actually started to see more Brown people in class. And even then it would be like one or two, you know? So when this whole COVID thing came about and people had to get online and had to do virtual meetings, I loved it because I was able to connect with people like you and, and now the tribe of women that I call my sisters. So, um, and now that's a part of me now that, so when people ask who I am, I'm a mother, I'm a yogi, and I'm also the founder of the Brown Girl Yoga Tribe. You know, Mm -hmm. that that's not just a tribe, it's a family. So, yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I love that. I love that so much. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that. I think um, I feel the same as someone who has been working online for, for a while and has always traveled. I've done everything online, but I found that with COVID, there were a lot more people that got online and it was it was more people were willing to connect. I won't say more clients per se or even future clients, etc., because a lot of those people were already online and were following me. But what I did notice were there were a lot of um, people that were willing to just have conversations right and just be there and just reconnecting with old friends from a long long time ago so yeah it's in many ways it's COVID has been a blessing and the worst thing to happen to us I don't want to say it's a blessing but I feel like what do I mean by blessing I mean I mean like it's been this the experience some of the things that have happened, how it's gotten some of us closer to each other or reconnected us with some people like being indoors and lockdown. I know in Sri Lanka, we had a very, very strict lockdown where you couldn't even leave your um, yard. You'd get reported at times if you left your yard, like your gate. So, and we could go to the shops like one day a week or something it was crazy and it was like this for six months and people like I know a lot of people were saying to me aren't you going stir crazy in your house and I was like no what I realized was that for me it gave me the opportunity to go within and reflect the lockdown and then I got to connect with people and then I also got to ask myself some very pertinent questions about my life and who I want to be for the world you know And so for that, I feel like that's what I meant for blessings for me. But there have been like a lot of losses and a lot of grief. And like in my family, we we lost um, my uncle to COVID, you know. So it's, yeah, it's been, it's been hard. So, but Mm -hmm. I see that, that connection as well, that constant being on WhatsApp with my family, (laughs) All that, that has been something really to take away. I mean, 2020 and 21, guys, 2021 have been a mix, but okay. So, yeah. So you connected with these women and you have the Brown Girl Yoga Tribe. Please tell us why it's so important. I think most of us understand why this is important, but 
in your words, it will be lovely to hear. Why is it so important to have a brown girl yoga tribe, a space for brown people and brown women in particular, where they can get to practice together and grow together within this practice? Um, great question. It's, it's important because we need that safe space. Mm. We need that space of, Hey, I know your trauma and mm. I've been through it before, or maybe I haven't even been through it before, but I can identify with it mm. as Brown women. We all have that in our DNA where mm. we've been made to feel less than, or not as pretty as, or not as smart as, you know? So to be in a room of people virtually (laughs) that feel that it's, it's, it's indescribable. It's not, and it's something that's necessary because when there's recognition, there's a certain level of healing that can take place that probably wouldn't be able to happen if you were in, you know, another space where it was maybe a mix of people or predominantly white colored, you know what I mean? So when, and, and brown women, we have a magic with us too, you know? Yes, yes, yes. When we are comfortable, we are magic. We're walking magic when we're comfortable. You know, when we are uncomfortable, that's when we have the, the you know, like the walls up or the mm-hmm. coldness or maybe like the tension as people like to, to see or say. Mm-hmm. Um, so when there's a, when there's a group of us, we're able to be ourselves, we're able to mm-hmm. dissolve those walls. And when those walls dissolve, we're able to heal even deeper at a cellular level. And that's why this is important for me to have this space where, where it's us and we're learning from each other and, and we're just being comfortable with each other. Mm, wow. I love, love what you've just said. Like I love everything about what you said about us being working magic. I truly believe that too. Right. And I feel like there's a sisterhood with our brown women that is just incredible. Like when you say certain things and you feel seen and heard and it's not negated, you know, that people understand that that is a trauma and nobody's going to be like, but what if this person was just doing this? Oh, did you maybe misunderstand? Oh my gosh. It's like, no, you are heard, you are validated and there's healing in being seen and being heard. Like healing is not just an individual thing it is so very collective yes absolutely so joanna i did interrupt you earlier kind of my bad habit (laughs) on the podcast but i know it guys you guys don't have to tell me (laughs) um because i get overly excited and i love it um so I just wanted to uh, go back to you come to yoga for the first time. You're practicing. You and your son are going through these deep struggles. 
what started to happen for you when you started to practice yoga? What are some of the shifts that you saw maybe immediately and then long-term? The first thing was similar to what you said, like, I have this now, you know, like it, it was, it's a feeling that it doesn't matter what happens. Everything's going to be okay. That is the first immediate shift that happened. Mm -hmm. So with that happening, that impacted all other areas in my life. And what's interesting enough, like just looking back, and just seeing how I had the steady crease, increase mm-hmm. in vibration led to the steady increase of miracles seeming mm-hmm. to happen in my life. Do you um, mind taking us through that? We love miracles. Do you mind sharing yes. just a few? You don't have to share everything, just like a few for us that we can just celebrate with you. <laughs> yes. Well, the, the biggest one, and I'm comfortable sharing this because um, I'm comfortable with it. So when I first moved from, because I was living in Philadelphia when my son was first born and I wanted to get out of there. So I moved to Virginia and I was sleeping on this woman's air mattress in her living room. And my son, he was coughing really bad. And I heard her in like the room and she was talking and she was talking with her son and she was like, you hear him cough and I can't sleep. Just complaining. And the son was like, you, she's out in the living room. She can hear you. And she was like, I don't care. This is my house and things like that. And mind you, I was only there for two weeks, two weeks tops before this happened. And um, you know, I started going to yoga again. So I started to, you know, just to feel like, even though this was happening Mm -hmm. and the old me (laughs) before the yoga probably would have been like, Oh, let me run in there and apologize. What can I do? How can I figure something out? All of that. But the yogi in me was, was calm, you know, And that is something that's priceless, that calm Mm -hmm. feeling, you know? And I just remember telling myself, okay, I'm going to get out of this. What can I do? Let me start looking for places. Mm -hmm. And I went on Craigslist. This is back when Craigslist wasn't dangerous. (laughs) And (laughs) I saw, I saw that there was this guy I found many a place on Craigslist when I was like hunting in in Boston. I found my first property. I was living in the UK. My first um, house share in uh, Boston when I moved there to do my MBA. I was living in Woburn Sands in the UK. And I needed to find a place in Boston because there I am going to go do my MBA. And I found it on Craigslist and it turned out to be an incredible, very, very incredible place. You know, nice. and I stayed there for a year. It was awesome. But yeah, Craigslist, but now I know things are not like that. Craigslist has gotten a lot shadier over the years. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but back then it used to be the plug. Um, yeah. 
so I found this this guy that was looking for a secretary for his business. Mm. I didn't even know about the business. And I just, I sent him a message. I was like, Hey, um, I, what did I say? I think I said something about, I don't know much about being secretary, but I can work a computer. I really need, um, a job for me and my son, blah, 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 you know, Mm -hmm. all that. And I told the truth. And I think he, he wrote me within like two hours And I think we were talking on the phone and we just started going into my life somehow. And I told him, you know, the truth about where I am, what I'm doing. And he was like, I actually, I think he's, what did he say? He was like, I have a coal business with the hotel and we can get you out of there tonight. And that's that's what happened. And I just remember feeling so I don't, I don't know what the emotion was, but I just remember feeling so something when I saw that lady's face and I was moving my stuff out of the house and into the car <laughs> and it was, and she, I, I think she sent me a message after I had already left and she was like, you didn't have to leave, you know? Um, and I, I, I think I said to her, no, it's no worries, nothing. Like it didn't end in the, on a bad note or whatever. Yeah. It's all kind of hazy now. But mm-hmm. so me and my son actually were staying in that hotel yeah. for a little bit. It was, it was actually about a month. Yeah. And it, it, wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't the best, but, you know, we had our own space for a while and I didn't have to pay anything out of my pocket. Oh my goodness. Yes. So that, that must was have been such a blessing. It was, it was, oh, and it wow. just, it happened so seamlessly. Mm-hmm. And I think that's when miracles step in, when something mm-hmm. happens so seamlessly and it's like, yeah. where, how, like I, yeah. when you can't answer the why, the who's and the what's, I think that's mm-hmm. like when, okay, yeah, this yep. was a miracle, you know? And <laughs> From there, I was able to move into a house. And then from there, I stayed, I think I stayed in that house for a few years. And then from there, I moved here. So it was just like stepping stones. And excuse me, where that yoga came in, because it continued to do work on me. It Mm -hmm. it didn't stop, honey. It, it, It planted that seed. And then it started to release layers because I was, I was a mess. And I was like a walking depression, but I didn't even know it. I, um, because I, I always had a smile on my face, you know, um, that's always been me, but inside I was not truly happy. And I, and I did not realize that, you know, and I think so many people are listening to this and they are, they resonating yeah. yeah, I know what that feels like. Yeah. Yes, it's hard. And you know what's harder? And, it, and it's only for a second is when you notice when you're mm-hmm. like, damn, I've been living like this for so long. <laughs> yeah. You know, like all that yes. wasted time being yep. like that. Yeah. <sighs> 
<laughs> I think and, most people just think this is life, right? Because yes. also most of us didn't, especially as brown women, we didn't see our mothers be aesthetically happy, right? Yes. We didn't see our aunts be aesthetically happy. You yes. know, we we didn't see that bliss and joy often. Most of us don't have those role models. So we just assume this is the best that we can hope for. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Right. But now, thankfully, we're pushing past those boundaries. Yeah. Brown and black women, we're waking up. <laughs> we're releasing that. And yoga, yoga comes in because it helps us shed that stuff. It helps us release it, but in an energetic way, because as you got, as some of you, I don't know if people listening may know, we have different layers and different bodies, you know, Mm -hmm. and things start on the casual body and then it goes to an astral body. Then it goes to the emotional body and then it goes to the mental body. And yeah. then it's the physical, right? Yeah. So we have all of these layers and within those layers, we have different traumas, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. so in yoga, we start to release that energetically. Mm-hmm. And what happens is that that goes to both sides. So mm-hmm. it goes to a subtle, a, su- a more subtle la- layers And then it goes to the grosser layers, you know, so it worked both ways. And then like out of nowhere, you start to get like these realizations like, oh, you know, like that person really hurt me, but I, it, it does not hurt anymore. Like I don't feel that pain in my body anymore or I'm ready to let that go or you know what? And life isn't that hard. It, like you start to get like these little gems, these downloads that just start to come into your mental space. And it's, it's indescribable. And with yoga, it's a gentle journey. You know, it doesn't just throw it on you. You know, it releases, it releases in layers, you know, and it, it just peels off of you like clothing mm. and, um, and yeah. <laughs> Wow, I love that. So you started to see that peeling off in your own life. Um, How does that impact your relationships? Because I think the big thing that people are worried about is as they go on the healing journey, they're going to be so wildly different and nobody's ever going to relate to them. They're going to become this yogi and everybody's going to be like, you're so strange. I no longer want to be in your life. (laughs) (laughs) Which I think is a fair fear, right? Like it's, it's a very human fear. (laughs) And you know what? And, and yes, that is true. Mm. And something to realize and something that's going to save a lot of people, a lot of trouble mm-hmm. is knowing that if that person is not supposed to be in your life, they're not going to be in it. Mm-hmm. The people that are supposed to be in your life, they're going to be in your life there. Mm-hmm. It's inevitable. You know, mm-hmm. we can't, we, <laughs> we, we can't, um, control that. 
Why? Because yeah. our soul magnetized those that are supposed to be around us, you know? And the beautiful thing is that when you go on this healing journey, the more you connect with your soul yeah. and start to get that Debris off, the yeah. more radical changes are going to happen outside of you. That mm. toxic boyfriend, he's going to disappear. Ooh, <laughs> you know, like the sounds of that, the disappearing yes. toxic boyfriend. Yes, please. <laughs> yes. But what comes in place of that is probably like a healing sister, like a, a soul connection. Mm. Maybe, maybe not even a sister. Maybe it's going to be like a teacher. Maybe it's going to be a pet. Like the universe is not going to leave a hole there. And you have to trust that, you know? So as that Debris is falling off of your soul, your soul is going to shine even brighter and it's going to magnetize even more what's supposed to be in your life and who is supposed to be in your life, you know? And that change, it hurts a little bit. It, it's not, it's not meant to um, feel good in the moment. Why? Because change always, it always hurts just a little bit because we're moving into something else. You know what I mean? And, but if we focus on what it is that we're moving towards and we just allow for that to overcome our body and embody, okay, I know what is meant for me. I know what I'm supposed to have and just embodying that feeling that allows for the process to happen a lot quicker and a lot easier with a lot less pain. But when we try to hold on to, no, I want this boyfriend or I want this, this, this job that I hate going to every day, but it pays my bills. When we hold on to that and we think like, okay, this is what I'm still supposed to, even though I'm changing, I still want to yeah. hold on to that. That is where the pain comes in mm. when we don't surrender. You know, yes, I was uh, about to say you are teaching all of us surrender to allow yeah. the process. I think yeah. that we give a lot of lip service to surrendering, trusting the process, etc. But like to actually be in that and to trust the process and surrender is hella hard for most people yes. and for most of us, myself included. It's like, nah, I don't want to let go because we think that the more we fight against it that somehow we think that makes it easier which obviously it doesn't no no and and definitely something is so beautiful in surrendering is that <laughs> you only have to surrender energetically mm. you don't like you don't have to go to a person and say okay I'm gonna let you go or mm. okay um, I'm, I'm going to quit my job right now. Surrendering energetically, like internally telling yourself, okay, I let it go. Mm -hmm. That's going to happen externally without you having to do something. That job is going to call and say, Hey, we got budget cuts. Sorry. We got to let you go. That boyfriend is going to be like, Hey, you know what? I can't do this no more. I'm leaving. And it's going to let go. Thank you God. just, <laughs> you just have to do the work internally and wow. then it's going to reflect outside. Yeah. So it's not really much that you have to do physically with your hands or calling or none of that, mm -hmm. but doing the work inside is going to be a whole hell of a lot easier. 
a lot easier, hey? I've seen that often where you're just like when you surrender and you let go, things start to just happen externally as well. You know, and I also want to say, I've also seen the opposite happen. So it's almost like you then have to take a stand because that's when like you have to learn certain things. Like for me, I know when I was learning boundaries and I was like, okay, I surrender. I'm going to put up boundaries. And the universe gave me situations that were like, now you get to put up boundaries. You get oh. to practice what you said you were going to do. And it's like. Yeah, oh that's the next stage. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that is. And that's a hard one because you're just like, why can't people just tell? Why do I have to be the one to do this? No, because you said you wanted to do this. You wanted to learn this. <laughs> yes. Yes. And. You know what? And boundary work is hard. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. It is so hard. But there's surrender in that too. There's mm -hmm. surrender in that too. Yeah. Because um I can I can give a personal example. I have a hard time when it comes to friendships and money, especially mm -hmm. when it's around yeah. and in the Brown Girl Yoga tribe they're all my freaking friends, you know, it's not, you know, they're not just clients that pay me for yeah. workshops and things like that. You yeah. know, we, we, we're not even doing workshops right now. So like there it's friendships involved. Yeah. So when it comes time to, okay, it's the retreat it's it's time to pay, you know, for the month that was really icky for me. Like I hated it. Like I, you know, like starting sweating all of that. And why? Because I wasn't surrendering. I know that I needed to establish that boundary. Like, hey, we have this friendship, but this is a business and we need money in order to get things done here. Yes. So what did I have to do? I had to put on my big girl panties and surrender and just be like, hey, it's May 1st. Your payment is due, blah, blah, blah. You know? Yep. And the hard part, with all that energetic shit that I was doing before. Oh, I don't want to do this. Oh, but she's my friend. All that, all that yeah. bantering. <laughs> yes. That yes. was the hardest Like it's going to ruin the friendship. Oh my gosh, yes. if I start talking about money, she's going to think that I'm just in this for the money, that we're just friends for the money. And oh my gosh, she's going to yes. think I'm greedy and I'm so selfish. Oh, my, I've... Yeah, what? like I feel like I've done that as an entrepreneur. I've been there. You know? yes. so, it's yeah. the worst. It, it is, is the worst. But I think this is also what I love about entrepreneurship is that it forces you to yes. go through this and to establish yes. these boundaries and to start having these uncomfortable conversations around money, even with your friends and just be like, listen, you said you were going to pay on this date. Are you still good? Here are the bank details. Please have the money paid by tonight or by tomorrow at this time. And if they don't, following up and saying, I see that you haven't paid. I'm going to have to unenroll you from this or give your spot to someone else. It's a nothing personal. So you learn how to keep the friendship, but also do the business. I think yeah. if I wasn't on this journey of entrepreneurship and also learning about money and understanding money, 
maybe I wouldn't know how to do that, but I've had to learn how to do that. I've had to learn to do that with family. You know, it's like, whoo, it's been like, I mean, it's just part of the journey of entrepreneurship. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And that's those, those are the part of those tests too. those tests for the boundaries, right? Okay. You said you wanted more money. Okay. You said you wanted to be a boss. You know, this is you, you got, you got to step up to the plate and that's, and yes, we have those tests, but at the same time, we have the gift of surrendering Mm -hmm. and being like, okay, I need to do this. So I'm Mm -hmm. just going to do it instead of all that bantering and that energetic Mm -hmm. storm that we usually cause ourselves. Right. (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. I love what you've just said. I think that so many of us can resonate. So what other ways have you seen? Cause you came to yoga with um, some of the money stuff, right? Like it was kind of part and parcel for you. How have you seen yoga help you with your money stuff like is there some are there some things that you've noticed like for example I'll give an example a yoga taught me the importance of being in my body you know I mean the person I did that but then yoga took it to the next level right because I was already practicing yoga before I went to the Pasana. when I came back I started to understand yoga so differently and it keeps teaching me to be in my body and even this morning I was like in pigeon and in pigeon pose, and I was feeling myself be like, I don't know how to describe it. I always felt like the sensation was um, impatience. But today I was like, oh, my God, I'm actually feeling urgency. They're like, I'm in yoga and I can't focus. And my mind is going crazy because of all the things that I have to do. And I can feel the urgency in my body. And yoga taught me to do that. And usually, and I was like thinking, oh my gosh, how often have I responded to this urgency? But now because I'm on my yoga mat, I get to sit with it and observe it and be with it and not respond and just be in self-care and be in my body versus I'm always jumping to oh my God, it's so urgent. I need to do this. I need to get this done, you know? Yes. And that, that is another stage in the yoga relationship. You just graduated, honey. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. Because once you're, you're developing more of a relationship with the awareness that's Mm -hmm. in your body. Yeah, so powerful. That's so priceless. Mm. Because with that awareness, you're able to be like, okay, there's urgency here. But I don't have to respond to it. Yes, (laughs) there's nothing happening that's urgent, right? But like in my head, it's like, I'm like, okay, I have this to do. And I usually don't work with a to do list. But uh, the last I've just been living in Joburg as we're recording this. I've only been in Cape Town for like two weeks. So I was in this environment where things are, it's like hustler's paradise. Things are done for money. You work on time. And I tapped into that energy. So I can see how my body picked it up, how I then started. Mm -hmm. And so even this morning, I was like, wait a minute. This is urgency that I'm feeling. And I've 
And until this morning, I didn't think of urgency as an emotion. And I realized that you actually feel urgency as an emotion. It's not anxiety. It's not impatience. It's not overwhelm. And I thought to myself, I felt this before, but I think I've often confused it with um, impatience or overwhelm. But really what it is, is a sense of urgency. I'm feeling a sense of urgency when there is no actual emergency out there. And so that sense of urgency drive uh, would drive me often and I thought to myself gosh I wonder if most of us are feeling this and that's why people get stressed and burnt out and everything because we're constantly responding to urgency because of urgency culture we live in an in urgency culture and so we're starting to feel that and embody it in our bodies and I was just like no (laughs) yeah yeah Yes, and no, it, and it's so true. And we, we are like that. And that's what, what is pushed on to us, mm-hmm. being in that fight or flight mode. That's mm-hmm. always being pushed to us with the news, the school, the work, mm-hmm. all of that. So yes, I definitely feel you. And, that, and that's why the yoga, that's another reason why the yoga is so important mm-hmm. um, to help us calm that down, you know, yeah. and log out of that and see, okay, this is just what's going on around me, but yeah. it's not something that I have to tap into. So I feel you, girl. I love that. Um, but to answer your question, um, I think it has allowed it. The biggest thing with yoga, it, it has allowed for me to see energy. Mm. as what it is energy mm. and with money that's no different yeah. and it allowed for me to see money as an entity that does not like to be chased mm. it likes to flow you know and that what that's what really made it easier for me because before I would like, you know, I would collect my pennies and then I would like to save it and like, okay, I can't do that. I can't do that. None of that. None of that. Money doesn't like that. It wants to go to the next person, you know, and then this money wants to come. It's just like, it's a big energy flow. And the more you tap into that, the more you can allow for money to come in. And then when the miracles come in as well, is you being like, you not worrying about whatever bills you have and you not worrying about um, whatever trips you want to take. Yeah. You're just like, okay, the money will come. Yeah. The money will be there. And it yeah. just flows. Yeah. And that's really one of the biggest things that has helped me mm-hmm. um, for sure. Mm-hmm. And now one of the things that I'm learning now is how to be okay with allowing miracles to happen every day in my life. Mm, that you know? is so yes. And how does one get okay with allowing miracles to happen every day in their lives? <laughs> that, and that's the work I'm currently working on. Mm. And it goes into knowing that you are worthy. Mm. Just mm. me walking this earth, me being here in this time and place notes that I'm worthy. I'm worthy of that attention. Mm -hmm. I am worthy 
of my desires or else why would my desires be there anyway? You know, <laughs> like you don't, I don't have think- to do anything more than what you are doing right now. You exactly. are enough. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And it, it does take some, I mean, just speaking from a personal note, it does take some time. I, like I said, I'm just now getting comfortable for asking for miracles daily. I asked for, um, I asked for a miracle last night for my son and, (laughs) and I was thinking like, wait, if I, if I say this miracle, how long am I going to have to wait to ask for another miracle? I was really going about this. Oh my my God. (laughs) But it was because I know that if I ask for it, that it's going to happen, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was trying to be like, okay, I don't want to be greedy. I know I need Mm -hmm. this for my son, but I also have the retreat next week. So I want to, you know, so I was trying to Please tell us, now that you've mentioned the retreats, do tell us about this retreat center, a retreat in Costa Rica. Oh my gosh, this is amazing. Yes, this this has been such a dream come true. I'm actually sitting in the yoga studio now. Um, You know, let me tell you how this came about really quick. Um, so I had a girl who came to me, she was a travel agent mm-hmm. and she was like, Joe, what have you ever thought about doing retreats? And I mm-hmm. was like, honestly, yeah, I always wanted to have people come to my house because I want to have an ashram. Yeah. And she was like, she kind of skipped over it. She didn't really acknowledge that I said that, but she kind of took the yeah part. She didn't take the rest, but she took the <laughs> yeah part. <laughs> And she was like, like, yeah, ashram, whatever, like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so she was like, okay, well, I'm a travel agent. This is what I do. Let me organize something for you. And I was like, yes, girl, I would love that. I would love for the people to be, to be able to come here and we all meet in person. So that's what she did. Mm. She came up with it. She found the place. Um, she said, I think she said it was like 24 spots or something like that. And I was like, awesome. So we began the promotion and, uh, you know, we put it out there. Some people were like, oh, cool. You know, we did a little meetup. We did the meetup Mm. and I think only one person put the deposit in. Mm. And then, you know, we were like, okay, you know, what's going on? Okay, let's make some more announcements, blah, blah, blah. Let's wait it out a little bit. Maybe it's because of COVID, whatever. And then in the end, it just didn't, it it didn't work. You know, we couldn't get the deposit in time to give to the, um, to the retreat owner on the other side of the island to hold the space. And, you know, so I was like, all right, damn. And then I just got, okay, let me shoot my shot. I've always wanted to have people come here where I'm living. Let me just put it out there. And that's what I did. And I said, hey, y'all, I'm going to have a yoga retreat in my house. Um, It's going to be six days, blah, blah, blah. This is what we're going to do. And it got sold out in 24 hours. Oh, my goodness. Was it 12? It was either 12 spaces or 13. I don't remember. But those 12 spaces sold out in 24 hours. And I was like, 
mind blown. <laughs> People put down deposits yes. and everything. Yes. No, no, no. The the people, the people, and I think I said it was a hundred dollar deposit, right? To save your okay. space because everybody was, you know, they were saying yes, but I was like, okay, like if you really, if you really want me to hold your space, there's going to have to be some monetary backing to that. So I yeah. said, there's a deposit of a hundred dollars and they sent it. And I was just, I was so amazed because with the other retreat, I think that was like 124 for the deposit, something like that. Oh my God. And it was only one person. So it was like, Maybe okay, that means- people wanted to do the retreat with you. Right. So it wasn't so just cool. about coming to Costa Rica. So I've learned a lot about that kind of energy that like, it has like sometimes it's because it's your energy right and yeah. so you are attracting that energy you're just like people are like I know you I'm not gonna fly to an international country with someone that I don't know like it has to be you true you know? and I've learned yeah. that a lot yeah. about asking people to leave the comfort of their countries their homes fly to foreign countries and do retreats with you that they need to know that you've got them because heck yes. there's a lot that's going on globally you know <laughs> that's uh, that's wild out there so yeah so i understand that response is that people know you they can trust you they know what you're about they know they're not going to come there and just like have meltdowns get temper tantrums of right. of things. you're going to hold the space and they're going to be allowed yes. to be themselves Yes. And to me that I just, oh, I cried so <laughs> cried so hard <laughs> because I was so grateful. Like I'm like, really? And the fact that I'm getting money from that, wow. it's just mind blowing because I, I would love to have these people in my house for free. You know, right? so the fact that I'm making money from it at the same time, I was just like, yeah. <laughs> you know? I feel the same way about my clients and uh, my students who like the money magic students when I host retreats for them. I'm just like, I would love to do this. I-, I would do this for free. Like have you guys in any country that I'm in, but unfortunately retreats do cost money to put yeah. together and like <laughs> takes our energy to expand but I think absolutely it is the best feeling when you're working yes. with people whom you love and admire you know and you're just like you people are so epic and awesome I just want you in my space because I love and admire you so much yes yes and it, and it's such a beautiful feeling and <laughs> Um, so because that retreat sold out so quickly, I was like, all right, there's still a few people that want some spaces. So let me do a November retreat too. And I did that. And then that sold out within two days. And I was like, oh God, you're doing so much up there. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yes. And I was just like, oh my God, my jaw dropped. And Um, the thing is, and I don't want to just do retreats. I want to have a sanctuary, which is what it's called. 
for brown women to just be like, like, if I'm, if I'm going through a breakup or if I'm going through a depression, if I just lost my job, just to have a place to go and reset and recalibrate. Oh my gosh, you're talking my language. This is exactly <laughs> what I've been saying about why I'm in Sri Lanka and why I want to start a retreat center in Sri Lanka. Same oh, thing. Girl, I'm there. If you start one, I am there. Us, right? Oh yeah, now I'm going to come to Costa Rica. Now that I know like there's a space in Costa Rica, I'm like, this is so awesome. Yes. And so... um. The thing about these retreats, yes, we're going to have experiences. We're going to be doing stuff. But the main thing is about the sisterhood. Mm. Like we're here together. There's no drama. We're here to heal. We're here to practice yoga. You Mm. know, we're here to drink a little bit. (laughs) There's no drinking at my retreat. So I'm sure people are listening to this and are like, yeah, this is the one. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Keep going. This is incredible. Wow. No, but it's, it's important that they feel good, you know, Mm -hmm. and the, I have different themed retreats. Like Mm -hmm. there's a detox one in March. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a sound healing one later on the year. There's different ones, Mm -hmm. but for this one, one of the reasons why we're, we're going to have drinks and and stuff is because this is about sisterhood. This first retreat Mm -hmm. is we're celebrating together. We've been studying and bonding for a year and it's time for celebration, you know? So (laughs) that, yes. So my heart is, my heart is so full. I'm so overjoyed. And we're right here in the middle of the rainforest, like literally. No way, I did <laughs> not know this. Yes, yes. Like there's, uh, I wonder if I could show you really quick. I see all the greenery and all the trees. Oh yeah, my gosh, that must be that. just a dream to do yoga there. <gasps> Look at that view. That right there is a biological, excuse me, this is my kid's study area. (laughs) Um, So this is a biological reserve here. So sometimes we have sloths and monkeys. Well, you know this, you're in Sri Lanka, so you've probably seen this already. (laughs) Well, not all the time, actually, because I'm on the beach. (laughs) Oh, this is cool. Yes. Thank you so much. Well, I see it. I see it in parts of Sri Lanka, and when I go to Mangala's place in Jayala, or when we go into the forest as well, and then obviously in South Africa, my mom's village is all like green. It's so beautiful. It's just mountains and greenery, but that's so beautiful. I mean, it's a rainforest. Okay, like yes, <laughs> forest in this rainforest. So we celebrate the rainforest. Right. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Oh, wow. So um, what are some of the three? Oh, I love this. So you're going to tell us at the end how people can be part of the retreats, right? And where they can sign up. When I ask for contact details, please let's not forget or else my email will get blown up with people asking for those details. So 
<laughs> what are the three lessons that you've learned from healing on your own journey and especially from yoga? Mm. Okay. Um, the first one is definitely shadow work. Mm. And that's doing the work on yourself. Mm. And my relationships with people have changed so much with me just doing work on myself. Why do I do this? How can I be better at that? Just doing that alone mm. sent so many shifts outside of me. Mm. Um, the next one would be, as we talked about, surrendering. Surrendering when the time is right. That's important because, you know, sometimes, you know, we shouldn't surrender, you know, like when we're doing a plank or something like that, you got to hold it for a few more seconds. <laughs> I saw, didn't you do a 30 day plank challenge? I saw that on yes. Facebook and I remember yes. just being like, I'm just going to ignore that and just scroll through it because <laughs> clearly this is beyond me. This is not for me. <laughs> I know. Yeah, that was probably a little bit too ambitious for me to do. <laughs> um, but just surrendering when the times are right yeah. sets off a lot yeah. of change in your life. You know, it, it yeah. lets go of a lot of pain mm. and it allows for things to come in because when we don't surrender and we're just holding and we're, and we're keeping tight and things like that, that we're not letting room for things to come in. We're not letting room for abundance. We're not letting room for miracles and things of that nature. But when we surrender and we let go, we open to receive. Um, so that's the second biggest lesson. Um, the last lesson would be um, mm, meditation, meditation through and through just coming out of the thinking mind for a little while. Mm. You're mm. not going to know until you actually do it. Like you said, with for Vipassana meditation, mm. you can't like, we can tell people over and over again, you got to meditate medicine, but until you do it, you're yep. not going to understand. Yep. You got to sit in meditation for a little bit and see what it feels like to get out of that thinking mind. Why? Because you're making room for spirit to pour into your body. And that just allows for so many things to change in your life. So that is the third and final one. Definitely please meditate. Even if it's for 10 minutes a day, just sitting with yourself, coming out of the, coming out of the thoughts Focusing on yeah. your breath. Yeah. It'll change your life. Yeah. I mean, like, that's what I did today after I realized I was in urgency mode. I wrapped up yoga. I finished after I finished my yoga sequence and I was still feeling that urgency. I was just like, okay, let's go meditate, you know? And I know it's hard because we've been trained to respond to that. But I think the beauty of yoga, the beauty of meditation is that we are we learn to observe our emotions we learn to observe what's going on without responding to it that i could say ooh i'm in urgency mode and this is feeling very strong 
but not to have to respond to it because responding to it doesn't really, it's like basically you are now being run by your emotions at all times or you're being, mass, you're being managed by your emotional state or your mind. And I think this is the power of meditation, guys. It teaches us to be able to step back and be like, oh, I'm feeling anxious, I'm feeling fearful. Huh, I wonder what that's about versus being overtaken by it and having it run all over you and then run your life. You know, that's when the changes start to happen because you are able to just in that moment as the emotion arises, you're able to observe it and decide differently. And the minute you decide differently, you behave differently, right? And I'm not saying it's going to happen overnight, (laughs) but like the more you do that, the more your mind gets trained that we don't just respond to everything that's happening. Yeah. So um, so I feel like you've already given us a day, uh, some daily exercises, but do you have like a particular asana that you can suggest to people like a yoga pose is a child's pose is just lying in shavasana that people can do every day especially for our beginner yogis that are like oh my god I see you guys do like even downward facing dog I just can't do that what is it that they can do just to start off with for maybe five mm. minutes a day mm. so I would say most definitely if you can't, if you feel as though there's postures that you can't do, just moving and doing what yoga postures you can do mm-hmm. is what's going to help. Why? Because there's no, you being in down dog and you being on a headstand, you're still getting the same thing that yoga has to offer. Mm. And that is connection with your breath. It does not matter what posture you're doing on the outside. Mm. These postures are just put into place to make us concentrate on the breath harder. That's Mm. it. That's the only reason that we're supposed to learn how to uh, headstand or, or Mm. um, do all these crazy things. It's just so we can concentrate on the breath harder. That's it. You know, So just getting, excuse me, just stretching, stretching, doing what yoga poses you can for five minutes. If you have it, just doing that every day, what that is going to do is that is because we have nadis in the body. We have 72,000 nadi channels. And they're all over our bodies, right? Mm -hmm. And they're connected to the chakras and they're Mm -hmm. connected to our physical organs. Excuse me, can you please explain what nadis are? Because like everyone's at different points on the journey. (laughs) Yes, nadis are energy channels. Mm -hmm. They're how we absorb prana. Mm -hmm. Prana comes in different sources. Prana comes in the form of air. It comes in the form of relationships. It comes in the form of food and it comes in the form of nature, right? We absorb that prana through the nadi channels, okay? Mm -hmm. And the nadi channels are all throughout your body. There's 72,000. So you can imagine them all like cable cords inside of your body, right? Just like your veins. 
Yes. Your veins. You know how we have the vein system. They're sitting right on top of that. Okay. Yep. They're right outside of that. Yeah. So um, the thing is, and this is what happens when trauma happens too, um, is we, we get tense and yep. we hold and we restrict. Yep. Mm-hmm. And even though we may not be doing that physically with our body, we do it mentally and we hold mm-hmm. on to stuff. When we stretch and we let go and we move with our breath for just five, it only takes five good minutes mm-hmm. of you actually moving with your breath. You mm-hmm. allow for those channels to open. Mm-hmm. Right. And you allow for the energy to flow through and the energy to go through your go through your chakras and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. So just five minutes every day, meaningful five minutes. That's all the yoga you'll ever need. Ooh, I love that. That's all the yoga you'll ever need. Guys, did you hear that? Five meaningful meaningful five minutes. Oh, this has been so yes. incredible, Joa. How do people get hold of you? Like, yes. how do they reach out? How do they start practicing? Because you also do virtual yoga, right? You teach yes. yoga virtually. So, guys, look at this. You've got a brown woman who understands our trauma teaching yoga virtually, and she does yoga at different stages. You don't even have to leave the comfort of your home. Come on now, like definitely reach out to her. (laughs) So how do people reach out to you? Oh, and she's also in Costa Rica, right? You have the ocean, you've got the rainforest, you've got good food, you've got great music, you've got alcohol. No, (laughs) definitely check out her retreats as well. So yeah, over to you, Joa. Yes. So um, we're actually in the middle of a yoga challenge right now. We're doing a 21 day yoga challenge, which we do periodically. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's free. Yes. So you can reach us at www.browngirlyogatribe.com. So you can mm-hmm. get access to the schedule or see whatever we're doing. And then if you're interested in coming to the sanctuary, you can go to www the brown girl yoga tribe sanctuary.com okay that's really lovely oh wow thank you so much joa i think i speak for everyone listening when i say we have learned so much today um and we've learned so much about yoga yoga is one of my daily almost daily practices like i mean i do yoga at least three to four times a week it's my thing always has been it's I truly believe that when I was at the height of my depression yoga is what kept me together even when I was extremely um when I wanted to end my life like having a constant yoga practice kept me together and then Vipassana obviously changed my life after that but then I came back to yoga and I merged both practices and they form part of the core of my life together with my trauma work and my life has never been the same for the last 11 years honestly I I feel very lucky that I find the I found these practices in my 20s and not later on in life because they set me up for I feel they've set me up for life you know 
It is move through life. So it's been very, very beautiful. So thank you so much for coming. And guys, reach out to Joa. And if you're loving these podcasts and you're like, oh my gosh, I want to be part, I I really love these podcasts, please go to uh, to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and leave us a review. Tell us about your favorite guests. Thank, (laughs) Thank them on there, right? Share this podcast with people that may be thinking Costa Rica or may not even have considered yoga as part of their healing journey. So please share away, um, leave us comments on YouTube, leave us comments on Podbean. And of course, if you want to learn more about healing your money trauma and going into your body to heal your nervous system around money and start regulating your nervous system around money, sorry, and integrating your money trauma, especially ancestral money trauma, you can go to wealthy-money.com forward slash money magic. Again, wealthy-money.com forward slash money magic. This podcast was actually started when I started interviewing my clients and students around their money stories and the shifts that they've had around money, right? So this is why it's called the Money Magic Podcast after the Money Magic course. So feel free to uh, leave me a message or get on the waiting list. If we're not open for registration, you'll get access to the to my free seven-day tapping into ancestral money wisdom uh, course as well. So yeah, thank you so much. Guys, we'll see you next week. Have a fantastic week further. See you guys. Thank you. Thank you, Joa. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you find this podcast helpful and enlightening, please can you do me a favor and go leave the podcast a five-star review on iTunes or leave a comment on YouTube. And of course, share it with your family and friends. I would really appreciate it because it would help other money magicians who are looking to change their relationship with money find this podcast, which would really make my day. Also, as a bonus, if you're interested in changing your spending habits, I have a complimentary ebook for you. You can download it at wealthy-money.com forward slash workbook. Again, wealthy-money.com forward slash workbook. Have a fantastic day further and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the Money Magic Podcast.